as you're going along, especially on, on this continent, you have to be aware of the differences between the various markets. And something that works well, say in one market, a Ghana, may not work well in Nigeria. And, and successful entrepreneurs are able to change the way they work to fit the environment as long as they don't compromise their values. Hello and welcome to the AOU podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa, where we explore more on being a bold entrepreneur leader. I'm your host, Savannah Olo, and today I have with me Victor Williams. Victor Williams is a former Standard Bank Group Head of Corporate and Investment Banking, Africa Regions. He specializes in mergers and acquisitions. To kick off, we asked him what the worst advice he had been given was, and I think you would want to hear this. Today, we discuss the importance of mergers and acquisitions and when you think scaling up in the course of your entrepreneurial journey is important. Victor also shares some of his personal experiences and transitions that he's made in his life. Do you know what key steps entrepreneurs should have in mind when creating seamless operations in their businesses? Well, stay tuned and know it all. Join us as we uncover a whole new world from our diverse community of entrepreneur leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming Victor Williams. Great. So thank you so much, Victor, for being with us on the AOU podcast today. It's a pleasure to see that you could take time out of your very busy schedule to be with us. Um, I usually like to start with an icebreaker. And today's icebreaker is... What is the worst advice you've been given growing up? Hmm. The worst advice I've been given growing up. Right. I think, and I can't remember the, whether this was specifically said to me. Right. Um, but I think it was certainly a sense when I was growing up in Sierra Leone that at that age, um, you know, when we were in secondary school, call it between ages 11 through 17. Right. We had a sense that at that age, we could determine what it is we were going to do with our lives. And so decisions around what we studied or what classes we took, uh, whether they be in the sciences, the arts, or in uh, what you might call the business slash commercial streams, that those decisions were really impactful and would right. shape the rest of our lives. Um, with hindsight, that was a very wrong notion. <laughs> and um, I think my life has been about uh, going in the direction of my passions and my interests and uh, letting everything else take care of itself. Great. Thank you so much for that. So what, what would you, what do you think, what do you think was your way forward from there? Like what, what is your stepping stone into, you know, your, after, after the light bulb, like lit up in your head? (laughs) Well, it all depends on where you are and what's happening when the light bulb goes off. I mean, I started off, um, as I said, I grew up in Sierra Leone and uh, went to secondary school there to the Prince of Wales School, for those who know Sierra Leone. And um, I was, uh, you know, I was in the sciences and um, studying physics and chemistry and biology and math. And that led me to think that I was going to be an engineer. And so I, um, 
I uh, pursued engineering into university and for I enrolled in university um, as an engineer and did engineering for the first couple of years. Um, and then I took a class in thermodynamics, uh, which was very hard. Uh, it was the class very I came Very random as well. Close, <laughs> mm, well, it was part of the curriculum. And yeah. you, you had to take thermodynamics as an, as an engineer. Yeah. And sitting in that classroom, looking at the exam questions in front of me and realizing that I had A, no interest in the answer and B, no idea how to solve the problem. <laughs> I, uh, I, I came to the view that I shouldn't be an engineer. Luckily for me, I'd already discovered a passion for business and economics and, you know, uh, current affairs. Right. And so I decided to become a, to major in economics instead. And that really laid the foundation for a lot of my career since then. So, um yeah, that, that was what the turning point was. Right. So you specialize in mergers and acquisitions. Could you maybe tell us what the difference is or, you know, how they come together for the people listening on in today? Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, something that I, where I, when I became um, a professional, um, I went into investment banking and in investment banking, I did specialize in mergers and acquisitions. Um, so the easy way to think about it is that these are ways in which companies combine. Uh, so um, in an acquisition, uh, a company, presumably a larger, more valuable enterprise, acquires another one and the smaller enterprise you know, uh, ceases to exist because it's been acquired by the, um, by the larger one. In a merger, um, uh, two entities generally of comparable size and value come together right. and a new um, entity might be formed from that composition. But all it is, these are just different forms of combination. So it really was about um, helping businesses combine or sometimes helping a larger business sell a smaller business. And we would either, we would, um, either help um, uh, on the sell side, as it were, or sometimes we would help a company that was looking to do the acquiring, which is called being on the buy side. So for probably the first um, you know, 13, 14 years of my career, that's what I did. And I enjoyed it a lot. I learned a lot uh, from doing that. Yeah, that's, that's what mergers and acquisitions are about. Would you, would you think um, it's something that entrepreneurs in Africa should think about or, you know, really care about when it comes to starting their ventures? I would say the, the simple answer is yes. Right. Um, but there's maybe some complexity behind that. So most entrepreneurs, when they think about business, uh, uh, go, becoming an entrepreneur, they think about starting a business, right? So they meet, they think about, um, they have an idea, there possibly is not a, uh, a solution for that idea in the marketplace or the solutions that are in the marketplace right. are unsatisfactory to them and so they start a business. 
But actually, you can be an entrepreneur and decide to acquire an existing business and reshape it or grow it in the direction you'd like to take it. So I remember when I was in business school, um, there was a very popular class called um, basically buying and growing a small business. And what that class was about was for people who wanted to be entrepreneurs but didn't want to start from scratch. And they wanted to actually go out, see an existing business, buy it and grow it. So yes, I mean, acquisitions uh, can be something that makes sense for an entrepreneur even at the starting point. And then obviously as you grow your business, acquisitions can become how you gain scale. And I think in Africa, we have a challenge uh, and, and, and a real need to see small businesses grow into larger businesses and acquisitions can be part of how you do that. Right. Thank you so much for that. So as an investment banker, how essential is entrepreneurship to the African continent? And what do you think is missing within that space? Look, I mean, I think the African continent, um, you know, someone I respect uh, uh, very much, um, you know, a uh, central bank, uh, the central bank governor of Kenya uh, said once that Africa is blessed with problems, therefore Africa is blessed with opportunities or some, right. so, some, some word, words to that effect. And um, entrepreneurs are integral in identifying those problems that could be opportunities and bringing to life innovative solutions uh, for them. So if we're thinking on a broader level of having Africa grow and develop, and and we want to see an increase in the um, living conditions and the economic prosperity of Africans, then right. entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship is critical to that. All right, all right. So you've worked in the US and 13 other African countries, which is a lot of places to live. <laughs> so I guess you've seen a lot of things in your day. What key steps should an entrepreneur have in mind when creating seamless operations in their business? So, well, first, uh, I've, I've lived in um, four African countries, uh, but uh, so I've lived in Sierra Leone, uh, in Kenya, in Nigeria, and now in South Africa. Uh, but I have worked um, in uh, my roles um, um, across 19 20 African uh, markets, actually. Right. Um, so I've, I've, uh, I've seen the continent through a lot of different um, uh, lenses. I would say that for entrepreneurs who are, you know, getting to that point in their business where they want to expand the business and take it into um, uh, multiple markets, There are a number of different things to think of, but I think perhaps the most critical one is to understand why you want to do this Um, and what is the advantage uh, that you bring to the table when you go from having a solution that works in one market Mm -hmm. uh, and going into another market. What is it about that new market? What is it about its conditions? What is it about its dynamics? What is it about what the competitors are offering that actually creates a space for you? And what competitive advantage do you bring 
that are going to make people turn away from their existing solutions to your solution? I think that's a critical question that needs to be answered. All right. So um, in that, yeah, because, you know, entrepreneurs also need to think about scaling up or scalability mm. in general of their ventures or their businesses. So what, what do you think are the best practices for that? Or like maybe four or five key steps that they need to consider when they're looking into scaling up their businesses? Well, so assuming that you've identified, you know, what is the um, key advantage that you bring and what's the, what the competitive advantage is that's going to help you um, uh, scale up your business, I think you then have to ask, um, do you have the people right. to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and those might be people within your team today uh, that, um, that you, know, you want to send into the new market or actually can you identify new people in the, in the market you're seeking to enter who can run your, biz- who can run your business there? I think that's important. I think it's important to have gotten to a point where you have some repeatable processes that allow you to take what has been successful for you in one market into a new market. Right. And you have systems and structures uh, that... um, that allow you to um, to scale effectively, yeah. because what you want to do is to translate your current practices as far as it makes sense into the new market. You don't want to go and create whole new practices and processes um, in in the new market because then you're not getting the advantages of scale. Right. I think it's culture and values is really important. Because um, your organization, of, uh, hopefully in its existing market, has a particular ethos. It has a set of values. It has a set of, uh, it has a purpose that drives it forward and that have attracted your employees to you. You need to be able to take that into the next market and inculcate that into your new employees and your new staff and, 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 and uh, your new uh, management team. Um, and then I think you have to, um, as you're going along, especially on, on this continent, you have to be aware of the differences between the various markets. And something that works well, say, in one market, a Ghana, may not work well in Nigeria. And something that works well in Nigeria may not work well in Kenya because of cultural differences in, 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 uh, across the markets and, and successful entrepreneurs are sensitive to that and are able to change the way they work to fit the environment that they are going into as long as they don't compromise their values. And that's important. Right. So if if that's the case, what... Hold on, just give me a second. If that's the case, how can one choose the best location when starting out? You mean when you talk about best location, you mean like going into a particular market or a particular location in a market? Going a into a particular country? in a market, yeah. Well, that's going to depend on what your business is, right? And, and that's part of the research that you'd need to undertake ahead of time to say, who are the customers we want to serve? Um, what are their needs? 
where do they tend to congregate? What locations would give us the best opportunity to serve these customers in a, in a cost-efficient manner? And all of that will go into your decision. Where, where might we actually have access to the pool of talent, the people that we need? Um, and all of those factors need to be weighed and considered um, in terms of choosing the right location. Obviously, the, the operating costs uh, in particular locations also have to go into that discussion. Right. Great. So Africa as a market as well, um, each individual country is rather fragmented in terms of the you know, entrepreneurial space. What are the common bottlenecks that need addressing in Africa, in your opinion? Well, look, I mean, um, across the market, I think, across the continent, I mean, there are a number of things. Um, so, um, you know, I think it's actually, you know, probably eight, ten years ago, I would have said telecommunications. Right. Um, I remember being in, you know, um, a city in Nairobi. And being in one part of the city and trying to have a conference call with a client who was in another part of the city. And the quality of the lines was so bad that it would have oh, just no. been Th easier. Those are my country people. <laughs> those are your country people. But it's not, it's not endemic to Nairobi. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a Kenya thing. This happened at that time. This happened all over the continent. You, right. you, you know, part of the reason why we had face-to-face -face meetings was because the phone lines were really poor. And actually, if I go from there to where we are today, telecommunications right. infrastructure has improved markedly. And in this, you know, COVID world, we're working through Zoom and other technologies to have conversations that actually I don't know that we'd be having, we would have been having um, uh, 10 years ago. So right. telecommunications has come a long way. It's still not perfect. I mean, you still have conversations with people in various countries and the lines drop. And in general, we find that it's easier and better to have calls over the data line as opposed to the, call it the cellular line, so to speak. Right. Or the landline. Land so telecommunications is a constraint still. It's a lot better than it used to be. It, mm -hmm. could, be, it could be improved. I think transportation is still a huge constraint. So whether it's uh, domestic uh, transportation or international transportation, especially when you're moving goods. So you've, we've all seen these pictures where, you know, trucks line up for many kilometers at a border post trying to cross. Um, and that's a significant bottleneck on trade. Um, uh, we, we've all, I think, had challenges with air travel. Um, and sea travel is not something that I, I know a lot about, but my sense is that uh, it takes a long time, not necessarily to travel by sea, but to get your goods out of the ports when they get to uh, their destinations. So, so I think transportation and logistics is a huge constraint on the continent. Mm -hmm. um, power is obviously still a big constraint. Um, you know, I'm in South Africa and uh, we've just uh, been informed that there's going to be load shedding. And this is probably the most uh, developed uh, continent country in sub-Saharan Africa in terms of its power infrastructure. Right. And, um, you know, in many other places, it's just impossible 
not impossible because people do it, but very expensive, let's put it that way. And it takes a significant amount of time to manage your power, to self-generate, uh, to manage your diesel supplies and all of that. And that adds a significant cost to manufacturing and, and service uh, uh, industries. And so getting to the point where we had cheap, reliable power on the continent, I think would be a huge uh, bottleneck that, uh, that, that would, um, to address that would significantly boost uh, economic activity and production. This podcast is brought to you by Venture by AOU, a free course for entrepreneurs. Do you want to know how to overcome entrepreneurial challenges from real-life experiences? Well, Venture is an online course designed for young and aspiring entrepreneurs. It features more than 10 AOU entrepreneur leaders who will guide and inspire young entrepreneurs. You can find Venture on venture.aoueducation.com. Once again, venture.aoueducation.com. Venture, a course for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Now back to our conversation. With that said, what do you think is the role of political leaders into getting the ball rolling on such things? And, you know, to what extent can the private sector get involved as well? Well, I think both the public sector and the private sector have have roles to play, I think. Um, and maybe the balance depends on... Um, the particular situation, the particular philosophy mm-hmm. that's at play, um, the capacity of the relative capacity of the public versus the private sector. Right. Um, so, but in general, I think government's uh, job certainly is to set the rules, right? Yeah. Um, to enforce them fairly. Um, to make it easy for people to operate without the need for special access or relationships, you know, or corruption, as the case may be. Right. Um, I think uh, it helps when government uh, indicates priority sectors and areas and dedicates its own resources to help unblock or to spur uh, investment activity in, 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 in particular sectors. Right. I think when those things happen, it becomes easier for the private sector to respond because the rules of the game are clear, the ambition of government is clear, um, and, and there is focus by government to do the things that it needs to do to unblock um, uh, uh, obstacles and hurdles. And so then you'll see the private sector um, uh, generally step in. And then there's room for public-private partnerships where um, government and the private sector work hand-in-hand to um, address uh, particular kinds of investments. So in those areas that I talked about around transportation, around telecommunications, around power, in all of those areas, they've been um, public-private partnerships in various countries, and uh, as well as uh, private sector-led investment, when the, the 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 government has put in place the right regulatory framework. So that ideally is, I think, how 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 it can work. Yeah. All right. So um, sometimes expansion comes with spreading oneself too thin. When is the right time to mm. consider expansion? And we've seen com- companies like Jumeirah closing in some markets. So what what would you consider 
the right time to consider um, an expansion? Hmm. It's a tough. It's a very. It's a very good. It's a very good question. I think it's. It, it depends so much on particular businesses and their situations, but in general, right. Um, I think you have to be at a place where you think you've enjoyed reasonable success in a particular market. And I'm speaking now from my history. You've right. enjoyed reasonable success in a particular market. Mm-hmm. You see a need for a client among within a client base that you would like to serve for the products or services that you provide. And um, and you believe that you can go in and provide those services in a way that is um, uh, uh, um, uh, superior to what existing competitors are doing. And I think if you see those conditions, then it certainly creates one of the, you know, it, it, it is, you know, it probably then is supportive of you beginning to think about expansion. Mm-hmm. You've got to have the resources, right? So it costs money to expand. Yeah. Um, so do you have the capital or access to financing to, to fund that, that expansion? You, you know, are you profitable in some other part of your business such that you can withstand you know, potentially a few years of losses while you ex, ex, um, uh, uh, establish yourself in the new market? Do you have the people, as I said before? Right. Can you, you know, do you have surplus people, so to speak, or an excess of managerial talent that are looking for new opportunities to grow? Right. Um, uh, you know, I, th- I, think, I think those are some of the, the, key, the key variables that should feed. And then sometimes it's that you've been doing well in a particular market, but now your growth is starting to slow. And you want to pick up your overall growth rate but you think you've reached saturation or maturity in a particular market. And so growing means going into new markets. That too can be uh, the time that leads you to ex- the, the reason for your expansion. So, Victor, with all this wisdom that you've given us today, <laughs> are, are we looking forward to any projects, any new opportunities that you're exploring or um, any articles that you'd like to drop uh, in, in the near future? <laughs> <laughs> No, look, I mean, um, as, uh, as I think uh, you may be aware, I mean, I, it was uh, publicly announced earlier this, um, this week that I'm uh, moving to a new opportunity. I'm uh, moving from working for a bank to working for uh, a sports uh, league and enterprise. And, um, and so uh, that's actually about me uh, seeing a compelling opportunity to help grow uh, this particular sport across the continent. And uh, I think it's a great growth opportunity for myself personally uh, uh, to do to work in a different industry uh, and to help uh, grow um, a, uh, a business um, uh, that's done well already, but help take it to, to new heights. Um, so yes, that's, uh, that's what my next uh, set of my next my immediate focus for the next several months and years will be that right and listen if you're looking for a star athlete i'm here for you (laughs) 
<laughs> what what do what do you do? I actually play what's basketball. Your, what's I played basketball for the past. I've, I've oh, you do. For the past um, ten years. Yeah, I have. Yes. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. So if you're well, looking for a star um, athlete, I'm here for sure. <laughs> well, look, I I think there's a significant opportunity on this continent to grow basketball, obviously, but and and in I would say. Part of that is a significant opportunity to grow uh, basketball for women uh, and uh, and girls. Right, definitely. Um, it, it is, um, you know, outside uh, Africa and especially in the U.S., where I spent a lot of time. Um, you know, there's uh, thriving, um, um, you know, girls uh, and women's basketball and the WNBA and things like that. Right. Um, and so I think that there's a significant opportunity for basketball to become a vehicle for, you know, growth and development and achievement uh, for girls and boys on the African continent. Right. So with all that said, do you have um, any final advice or any, um, you know, words of encouragement that could go out to the people that are listening in today? Um based on your journey and your experience in investment banking and, you know, mergers and acquisitions and now transitioning into this other new role that you're completely exploring and, you know, sort of like learning as well. You know, it's, you, you're putting yourself in a different environment now. Yes. Yeah, so, so as I said, maybe I started at the very beginning, uh, what you were, you know, in your teens does not define who you become as an adult. I think we have, as individuals, need to be open and curious uh, to new paths, um, new places. Um, I've generally, you know, been willing to kind of go where my passions have led me. Obviously, I do so with a lot of thought and analysis, but uh, I'm willing to go and do the things that really interest me and excite me. And I have... uh, Confidence that if I, you know, I work on the things that are interesting and compelling to me, that I will do so with the right kind of energy and focus that will allow me to be successful. And so I, I really, I'd encourage people to um, follow their passions, uh, work hard, and be open to new opportunities and be uh, willing and uh, to embrace them when they come your way. I think it's really important that you've mentioned energy because that's something I'm very passionate about as well. Um, the right intentions mm. and the right manifestation and the right um, talk to self and to others is like very important to how your environment shapes you and how, how your mindset also shapes you, the, t- the decisions that you make. So thank you so much for that. I think that's all we have for today. Uh, thanks so much for taking out your time. And, you know, it's, 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 it's been a very interesting episode just listening to you describe and you know sort of break down the concepts that come with mergers acquisitions operations and scalability so yeah just thank you for that thank you thanks very much savannah thanks for the invitation and uh it's been great chatting to you and uh my best wishes to you and to your listeners uh i'm a big fan of alu thank you and uh and uh um i'm so glad that you guys have this uh, vehicle Uh, for reaching out to the broader ALU community and other people who are interested in the values and mission of ALU. Thank you. Right, likewise. 
And that was Victor Williams, a former Standard Bank Group Head of Corporate and Investment Banking Africa Regions. Watch out for his exciting new opportunity as he's venturing into bringing awareness or even change to the narrative on a particular sport on the continent. Aside from learning when and how to scale up your business, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor and Apple Podcasts for exclusive access to all the gems of knowledge we drop here. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform. This is the AOU podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa, Real Stories, Real Experiences.